Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, the biggest concern for Kansas City down the stretch, deciphering the top five quarterbacks in the league, and do the Chiefs actually miss McCall Hardman? Special guests include Andy and Mahomes live at 1145 and Josh Klingler at 1230. Now two guys who want your kids to come sit on their laps next Tuesday, Cody Tapp and Alex Gold. That is because we do have our uh, Cody and Gold toy drive next Tuesday at Jefferson's in North KC asking you to bring a new unwrapped toy benefiting the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Kansas City. And actually, it will just be Cody's lap because we, we altered our bet. Cody wanted to compromise on the Justin Watson bet. Uh, and I said, all right, I'll let you I'll let you out of a wheel spin. I was kind of hoping Nick would be the nutcracker. Yeah, for this. I'll let you out of the wheel spin. You said you would be Santa for three hours instead of having us each do an hour. So it's just it's just Cody's lap, actually. <laughs> That's that's how it'll play out next. I don't like when you put it that way. Well, Nick Nick put it that way, and then I'm just I'm just. Should we play those failed taglines from last year? Do you remember those? Oh yeah. We want your kids to sit on our laps. I don't remember. I believe that was one. Uh yeah. They're not going to be in there. Remember that was in December, and we don't have the the audio got swiped. There's no way we have that, right? Unless we went back. We're just deleting stuff. I want these things. We actually, before the end of the year, should probably save anything we want because there's a chance come January it might be gone. Save it where? On a Google Drive or something. I'm just going through our entire audio folder. Just Text so line I can... already. Blaming Nick. 913-586-7610. Nick's trying to get the cops called on all of us early. It's like I can just... It's like saving a Google Drive folder just so I can save this. Here comes the airplane. Well, yeah, it's worth it. It is Broncos <laughs> week. It is Broncos <laughs> week. So we will just we will play a bunch of Russell Wilson cuts and drops later on in the week. Don't you don't you worry. I mean, at least that one, right? Yeah. Plus so many others. I mean, there's just... There's just so many. Can we play that Subway commercial again? That was my... Maybe we, that one was Later the in the week. Maybe so. Spicy. Yeah. Spicy. <laughs> maybe a little bit later on uh, in the week. So I think we all know that the Kansas City Chiefs, whether it's the one seed or the two seed, wild card weekend, divisional round weekend, there's always heading into a postseason some nerves for any team because you're wondering, like, what's going to come back to bite you? What's going to crop up again? that's going to find yourself going home early in the postseason. And I'll be curious to see where everybody's at on this for, if I were to ask you, you know, your, your two or three reasons you think the chiefs could end up losing in a playoff game this year. And I I think for me at the top of the list, believe it or not, is actually going to be special teams. And I know that it's not it's the weird because Sky unit. Moore's not returning anymore. Do you still feel that way after yeah, he's gone? I, I still do because it wasn't just that, right? I wish in a way, I wish it was just that. Cause that you're right. That's an easy fix. Just don't, that put, was the biggest problem. Just don't put the guy back there. And I think fortunately, I don't think we will see that. I know Dave Tobes comments that said, you know, we're not going to give up on a player and all this kind of stuff, nor should they, but doesn't mean you're giving up on the player just because you don't have him as a punt returner. You can still have him involved in your offense. Um, but th- but that's top of the list, Cody, because it wasn't just the punt return game. Uh, and once the McColl and Kadarius Tony are back, I think it resolves itself there. But let's not kid ourselves. It has been coverage up until this past week. The, ki- the return game period had been weak, even on kick returns, although this past week I thought was their best day doing that with Pacheco. And then it's just being caught off guard, right? The, 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 fake, the fake field goal on the, the, the fake punt that went against them, I should say, the onside kick they weren't ready for. Uh, then they did try the fake field goal in that Colts game. Those those special teams mistakes, add in the Butker missing from fifty five, like that that is still well, one the of those four things. Kicks he's missed, yeah. You know, if if you're asking me, one of the top reasons that all of a sudden 
they could be going home in January and not making it to February in the Super Bowl. Uh, that That is definitely one of the scenarios I could see playing out, that a, a special team's blunder, whether it's missed kicks or any of the other reasons I laid out. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of my concerns. And there's nothing, frankly, there's nothing that can alleviate that. Like, that's not a fixable one in my mind to make me feel like, oh, that that's fixed. That's just going to have to happen and go through it in the postseason. There's nothing in the, like, five weeks all of a sudden where I'm like, you know what? Not worried about special teams anymore. It's not the number one thing on my list anymore because to me, once you finally made the switch at punt return, at least I'm not going to get 78 different fumbles that can occur under a variety of circumstances that cause the problem. Some of this is probably going to be disappointing because it's some of the things we talked about. I think the number three reason is special teams. I think the number two reason is their inability to get a pass rush in an important playoff game which just came up against Cincinnati and certainly factored into the ability they lost. And number one with a bullet, losing the turnover ratio. You can't afford to do it against great teams. There are other things like that you might have thought before the season going in. You might have thought maybe their wide receivers weren't going to be good enough or they weren't going to run the ball well enough or their secondary was going to cause them problems because, look, their safeties are coming off of not their best game and they have a lot of young corners against elite talent. But that is always going to come down to the pass rush for me and then their inability to get the ball. Specifically that. In a weird way, I understand that they turn the ball over and they're turning it over a little too much right now. But because they're so good and they're Andy Reid led, I don't think that that's always the thing I fear. My fear is in a moment in a game when you actually do need to get the ball or can get the ball, can you? Because a lot of playoff games are won because of those key turnovers. And the Chiefs at this point are banking on somebody else screwing up because they never just force you into that mistake. No, I mean, I, I would agree with the other ones. I mean, the only difference for us is I have special teams in there, um, and I, I think I would agree as well with the, the turnover being a problem. It's not so much that they're not getting the takeaways again. It's the the fact that you're not getting the takeaways, and now you have seven straight games of turning the football over. Uh, the third one for me is just simple. <laughs> Cincinnati, <laughs> like, like play, just the Cincinnati, just, just Cincinnati. That'd be man. the biggest like, reason why you get knocked yeah, out. I mean, yeah, I don't like want to face now. Right they're now. the only team that I know that they can't beat currently. That right now, that that's a team they, they they have not been able to beat. I should say they can beat them. They just haven't been able to do it to this point. To this point, um, they've shown you know, no ability. It to. is crazy that if they play in the postseason, it'll be like Cincinnati will be trying to beat the Chiefs for a fourth straight time. Which typically we always say in the NFL, like, oh, it's it's so much tougher to beat number. the team the third straight. Like we all the time, we'll hear like. And it's, you know, it's tough to beat a team a third straight time. Well, it just happened. Well, it's tough to beat them a fourth straight time. Why on earth would I think that that's not a They've already beaten them three yeah, straight why times. Why would I not think that's a possibility? Heck, even though the Broncos haven't been any good, the Chiefs are on the verge of beating the Broncos. What is it now heading into Sunday? It's like the... the Every time since 2015. I don't remember the exact number, but... 12 straight 12. time? Yeah. So the idea, like, you can't beat a team X amount of times in a row. I No. Think about what's happened in the possible. Royals history since then. Since the Royals oh, won the World Series, the Denver Broncos still have not beaten the Chiefs. The Royals have gone through a, another manager. They fired Dayton Moore. Like so much more has happened in that amount yeah. of time that the Broncos have been unable to do that. I just feel like the turnovers have got to be the single biggest reason. Like we're going to come in here on a Monday and be disappointed. The chiefs got knocked out of the playoffs because they couldn't get the ball or they gave it away once. And that's the problem right now because of their inability to get turnovers they are not given any leeway to make mistakes. Like for all the special teams things we talk about or the fact that they've been giving the ball away seven straight times or seven straight games, they've had at least one turnover. The reason why is you can sometimes survive it because you also get a turnover. 
The Chiefs really can't afford at any particular point to have those mistakes unless you're playing a team like Jacksonville. And we know come postseason time, that's not been the case. In their three losses, the other the other teams have forced the Chiefs into that mistake. There's Travis yeah. Kelsey won most recently, the Mahomes interception at the end of the Bills game. Like, those have occurred pretty frequently. And look, they almost overcame it. Like, they lost to the Bills, and they definitely lost a turnover battle by a pretty good margin, and they still almost overcame it. But you can't against those really good teams. You just – it's you end up a little short. Well, the good news for them is there are still far more reasons why they can win a playoff game than why they can Oh, God, yeah. That's the beautiful thing. Yes, we're, we're pinpointing the two or three things that potentially, if we're having a conversation in a month and a half of why they're not heading to a Super Bowl, what, what could be the story behind it? That's what we're laying out here. But there are far more reasons, as we know, why this team – uh, could be playing. We didn't in mention Arizona Mahomes, for the Super Bowl. and he kind of felt like a big reason for why they ended up falling short last year. That second half performance against Cincinnati, like career worst second half. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's concerned that that's going to no. happen again. Because even though there were times where Cincinnati again, get the the look that Cincinnati continues to give him can can somewhat confuse him to a certain. I don't know, not even confuse, but certainly cause them some issues where they're like, hey, we're going to give you all day in the world, all the time in the world, but still. Are your guys going to be able to get open consistently? And and this this is why it'll be interesting to watch as, and it leads us into our next topic really in conversation is like what would have happened if McColl and Kadarius Tony are out there? Does that help alleviate some of this as well? And hopefully they're both available for the playoffs. I think the Chiefs miss McColl. Yeah, I mean I, I, I think I, there's numbers to bear that out, Cody. I think there are. I mean we we look at the red zone in particular for Kansas City, right? So a combination actually of two players. And I'm not saying one is, is actually as meaningful as the other. So I'm with you on McColl. I would just, for the stat purpose, Clyde and McColl accounted for 12 touchdowns this year. 11 of them were in the red zone. So Pacheco, I think we will, we'll talk about later. Pacheco has been fantastic since he's gotten the number one gig here as the back. And we know Clyde's on IR anyway, um, but McCall Hartman. Yeah, I do think they're missing a man. And I think in particular, it's, it's the red zone. I just mentioned the numbers for, for the red zone for them. Nine of the 12 offensive touchdowns involving those two players were inside the 10-yard line. So think about that. How, what has happened recently inside the 10? You can argue they get a little too cute. You almost know for certain that inside the five-yard line, there's going to be some wrinkle that they have. Sure. They, can't help the, they just can't help themselves. Yeah, but McColl helps the wrinkle. Like I, yeah. You could have a lot of complaints about McColl, or we could go back down the road of, he's not. D, I wish he was DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or any of the other great wide receivers that came out of that draft. There is one thing McCall Hardman has been as good as any of those wide receivers, pretty much, getting in the end zone. McCall Hardman, considering his role for this team and the fact that he's never gotten the snap count of all those guys we just talked about, he has 16 touchdowns over the last four years. He had four this season before he missed what? This four games now? He'll miss four games at least in a row and was injured for the earlier part of the season in which he was missing some snaps or some time in the middle of games. So when healthy, McCall Hardman is one of their biggest red zone threats. It was part of our conversation this offseason of who gets the missing Tyree kill touchdowns. We admitted that McCall Hardman was probably going to be a factor in that conversation. Last year, he only had two. But in the previous two years before that, McCall Hardman gets in the end zone. They do miss him inside the red zone. But I think they just miss they miss having one more person that makes you think. Because right now, everyone they're throwing to is like, they throw a pass every game to Noah Gray or... Justin Watson multiple times or Jody Fortson. They would rather those passes be going to a guy like McColl because different things can happen. This is where you, you know, they're both out at the same time. We, when we look at Kadarius, Tony, they, when the signing happened, we said, Oh, that potentially is the McColl Harbin replacement for next season. 
But what has happened is, unfortunately, both McCole Hardman and Tony are out at the same time. So we haven't got the full glimpse of, oh, can he actually be a guy that can s- slot right into McCole Hardman's role? They both are hurt right now. You got the abdominal injury for McCole, and we know this hamstring injury, which is a big question mark for Tony, was a problem for him with the Giants as well. So if they just had one of them, Cody, I think they would be okay in terms of that. But when you have two players that we think are similar uh, in terms of what we role do. they could provide, and they're both unavailable for you right now. And that's that, I think that's created a, a, some of the problems, maybe what we've seen. And honestly, now that they're, they're, this third guy is different, but Juju still easing back in. And then even last week he got, you know, he, he got knocked out of the game for a couple plays. And then you just wonder how that impacted him. So they haven't had the full arsenal uh, at wide receiver here now for a couple weeks or so. That's why well, for to, carry over, to carry over from our questions about the playoffs, what could get them. The one still, I think positive is that hopefully, and you know, there's always going to be injuries that happen, but hopefully come playoff time, at least at that spot, can you at bare minimum have a fully healthy McColl or Tony, maybe not both, but can you have one of them fully healthy? Can you have Juju who hopefully doesn't have any more, uh, not only concussion, but even just the the little head or neck injury, whatever that was that prompted him to go to the blue medical tent for at least a, a couple plays or so. They're the number one scoring offense in the NFL, but over the last five games, which is the time in which McCall Hardman has not been available to you. They're only averaging 25 points a game. They only scored 20 against Tennessee, 27 against Jacksonville, only 26 against LA and just 24 here against Cincinnati. They've only scored 31 time in their last five games for an offense that was doing that pretty regularly. Now, I will say 25 points per game. If that was the season pace would still put you top 10 in the NFL. Now top 10 is different than number one, but sure. So it's not like, well, they've falling, won f- four of those five yeah, games too. Yeah. It's not like falling to 25 points per game means suddenly that they're, they're, they're bottom five. They're still a top 10 offense. Even if you just went at the same pace for the last five, no, but the last game that they had, I would say their full complement of weapons was San Francisco, and they scored 43. When McColl and Juju Smith-Schuster and those guys were still on the team and available and playing together, they scored 40 points. The Chiefs miss having, like, okay, it was like, hey, how much are they going to miss Tyreek? Well, they've been able to overcome that because they've got a bevy of weapons. But you know what they don't have right now? Explosive players. Nobody on the field is explosive. That think about it. Not Tony. Not McColl. Those are two, those are those are the two fastest, most athletic guys. Right now, I would argue the, the only one left is MVS. Yeah, and and he's a one trick pony. We we, we saw know a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, we know, but we know what his we know what his dance is. Right, he's got a specialty and he does it. The other guys can be used in a variety of ways. Nobody uses MVS in the way that we're talking about these other two players. They miss that layer to their offense. That layer is what makes them difficult to defend. They're one of the highest motion offenses in the NFL. They use guys in space. When they get that space, they let their athleticism shine. And right now, their offense is, we have four tight ends on the field, or we're throwing it to Justin Watson. And those guys just aren't as dynamic. It's not that they're a bad offense, because clearly they're not, (laughs) even without those players. But to say, like, they clearly do miss the athleticism of McCall Hardman. I think they miss him in the red zone, but I think they miss him all over the field. And I'll go back to something we discussed with Nate Taylor from The Athletic. He was in the studio with us, uh, as he is every Tuesday in the 1 o'clock hour. And we were talking about the defense, but it really also factors into this offensive conversation we're having right now, which is he said, hey, you should, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, really, you should just be like under 30 points. Keep for this defense to keep up on the rest sure. of it in the playoffs. It's like under 30 right points. now. It's like 27. And if, if, if that's the case, if, it, if you're saying that under 30, well, that means your offense, of course, is going to have to start scoring in the thirties consistently again, which we know they're more than capable of doing, but something they haven't been doing the last five games. The hope again is that 
with Tony and McCall Hartman, or at least one of them back, that that can add a new layer to this offense uh, that you can you can hopefully get back to putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, for a fact that a team is scoring, they're scoring 29 and a half points per game, which still leads the NFL, as we'd pointed mm-hmm. out. But, I mean, to not, to have only scored 30 points one time in the last five games, that should tell you that the offense is struggling a little bit. Maybe it was going through a mid-season lull. Maybe that's part of what's happening here, or they've been facing an opponent, but they're getting ready to face one of the top defenses in the NFL. And they still won't have McCall Hardman because he can't be activated at the earliest until next week. And we haven't heard any kind of update on Kadarius Tony other than he's not available. He's day, he's day to day. We will hear and from is Andy. not practicing. We will hear from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes coming up at eleven forty-five. I don't I don't know uh, if we'll hear any more than uh, he's day to day and he's he's progressing. But we'll we'll try we'll try to hear from him coming up at eleven forty-five. He's going to just say he's progressing, right? Um, My favorite thing is like... I would like, like to hear that he's going to actually be around practice today, but we'll see. Do you think that Andy, just because he's a creature of habit, do you think that's why he walks in on Monday mornings and says, look, I don't have the injury stuff for you. Like, we know. Like, everybody who covers the Kansas City Chiefs for a living knows that. And if there is a player to ask about the injury is, we're still going to ask, like, is Patrick okay? So it's not like it's going to... like his foot? Yeah, I mean, is it... Is it, is it What's the hope here that I just won't ask anything about anybody's health? Or is it just because Andy's used to saying that? I think it's because Andy's used to saying that. Andy likes his routine. He's very detail oriented. He likes to just do the exact. I bet he eats the same breakfast. Oh, but he has like a rotation. Didn't of we, the didn't same we have three a conversation about his breakfast we routine about a month or so ago? Yeah. Ad nauseum. Yeah, we talked about, about what food he would eat. Yeah, a month ago. We I think we established that his favorite burrito. breakfast is no huevos rancheros. Oh, I thought it was. A well, breakfast we know burrito. that he. We know that at the very least he enjoys. Huevos Rancheros. Yeah, we learned that he likes him. We don't know that, that it's his favorite breakfast. <laughs> we just we thought that that opened up the breakfast burrito game for him as a possible option of something he goes for in the morning. But what do you think is the most commonly eaten breakfast by him? Like uh, at the end of the year? At the like week. eggs, bacon, and toast. I think like a traditional American two-egg breakfast. So you think that is what he eats more often than not? Yes. Or the most? That's what I think, yes. Like we're taking inventory at the end of 2022. You think eggs, bacon, and toast is going to be number one at most times eaten. I mean, it, it requires cooking it. I understand. Well, like eggs the, are definitely part of the equation here. Eggs are quick and easy. Maybe hard-boiled even. I don't know. But well, some uh, sort of egg. He's nah, scrambled or over easy or something like that. Yeah. You I, think Andy'd eat a hard-boiled egg? I don't think that's for his breakfast. I think he would <laughs> eat a hard-boiled egg. I don't think that's his egg of choice. Hmm. Also, hard-boiled egg like to me is... back on this again. <laughs> hard-boiled <laughs> egg, not breakfast for me. You know what I mean? Like that... There's different What's that, like an afternoon snack? Hard-boiled egg's not a breakfast egg. It's a snack before you eat like a before you eat like it's in your or it's in your salad or it's in your salad. But the the breakfast eggs are your scrambled, your over easy, your sunny side up, that kind of stuff. Wow, you don't think hard-boiled belongs in the breakfast egg category? No, no, I don't. No. Do you guys think? I believe it does. (laughs) I believe all eggs (laughs) have a place at the breakfast table. Do you think that Andy Reid strikes you as? Does he strike you as a waffle guy? Does he strike you as a pancake guy? I'm sure he does eat some of them. <laughs> no, it's one or the other. Everybody <laughs> has an opinion one way or the other. When you get a really good waffle, there's nothing waffle, better, man. The waffle's definitely a, a, the best I waffle is definitely better than the best pancake. It's not close. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I eat pancakes more than waffles, but when you get a great waffle, there is nothing better. What about oatmeal? Eh. Not for me. I haven't had oatmeal for in Andy. Years. We're not talking about us, guys. Like quick oats? Like he makes them the night night before? No. What? 
the night just like before. Instant, instant oatmeal. Instant yeah, oatmeal. Man. I haven't had oatmeal that's not just a quick pour some water in and microwave it <laughs> in 15 years. Like, yeah. Cinnamon oatmeal is good stuff. I mean, he is. A, I mean, he is in his 60s. Feels like if you're in your mid 60s, oatmeal can be a really common breakfast choice. This is way more interesting than it should be. (laughs) We appreciate that. I think that's. I think that's a compliment. Uh, Someone else says hard boiled eggs definitely not breakfast food category. I I agree. There's no way that is hard boiled egg. I think of lunch. I think salad. I think as Nick said, it's kind of like yeah, maybe even a snack. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't belong in a salad. Have you ever seen anybody like, oh, I'll have some pancakes, some syrup, and a hard-boiled egg on the plate? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I think they just eat the hard-boiled egg as the main feature piece of the breakfast. Like, they're trying to eat a light huh. breakfast. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, There's well, no way We're never th- going to get an answer to this question. That's why it, it's, it, right, well, it's why it causes can. me to lose sleep Again, at night. Text Pete Sweeney. Maybe it has to occur after they win a Super Bowl or something. But text Pete Sweeney, eventually we need the question. Yeah, this isn't the week you can ask the question. Coming off a loss. Okay, yeah. Divisional opponent. You're probably right. You're probably right. It's a big week. Texans week. Right after that Texans game, or leading up to it, doesn't matter. And I'll tell Pete to preface the question by, hey, Andy, I'm sorry this is a little off the wall, but it's the Texans this week, so. (laughs) (laughs) Hard-boiled egg. You ever eat that for breakfast? Like, excuse me? Yeah, I I don't want to lead with that. Or do you think a hard-boiled egg is a breakfast food? What do we want to find out first? What is, <laughs> if they racked up all of your breakfast for the year, uh-huh. what is the most common? Is that what we want to ask? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Andy Reid comes on this station in an interview form with the morning show or afternoon show once a year. The one time a year where he comes on, that, that needs to be maybe twice a year. That has to be one of the questions. So whether he goes on with CDOT or if he goes on with the guys in the morning, maybe we can get one of them to, uh, to ask the question. Did you guys see the, the crazy six minutes or so? Uh, involving Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge, of course, free agent tour. He's now since signed with the Yankees on a nine-year, $360 million deal. But I don't even want to really talk about Aaron Judge per se, other than John Heyman, who we've had on this show, who's covered baseball for decades as a baseball insider. He sent out a tweet yesterday afternoon that was saying that Aaron Judge, except he spelled it arson, so that was fun. Arson Arson Judge. Judge. Which, old school baseball player, clearly. Uh, setting the world on fire, setting the city on fire. Arson judge. Again, my kid goes to a school with an arson. So. <laughs> we talked about that's right. We did. <laughs> I still can't believe that, by the way. Um, so that's a I'm real sure name. So sure in John Hamer's defense, that's a real person's I'm name. I'm sure he's a great kid, but the arson for the first name is still mind-boggling to me. But anyway, so arson judge headed the Giants. And everybody's like, wow, first of all, made fun of him for saying arson. Then he sends out a tweet that says, Aaron Judge going to the Giants. Not even five minutes later. Three or four minutes later, he sends out a tweet and said, well, it looks like I jumped the gun. Aaron Judge not headed to the Giants. How do you screw it up that much? And then we find out less than 24 hours later, Aaron Judge is actually headed to the New York or staying with the New York Yankees on a nine-year, $360 million contract. I'm sure the Royals offered eight for 320. Good shot. They gave it a go. You know, yeah, a good fine effort. Yeah. Reportedly, the Padres offered more. I don't know where the Padres. The Padres' market size is very similar to Kansas City's. It makes no sense the amount of money they are capable of spending. I understand they're in California and that's playing a factor here, but it's bonkers what they are close to spending, but it's, you just can't be that wrong on the single richest contract for a position player in major league baseball history. You can't say arson judge to the giants. (laughs) And then five minutes later, be like, oopsie, sorry guys, maybe jumped the gun. I mean, if Honestly, Arson you know Judge happens? is half of Aaron Judge, I'll take Arson Judge on my team I next season think as well. Boris leaked it to some guys to try to get the Yankees to jump their bid. 
to spook him, get him scared a little bit. I don't even think that that's worthy of the reckless speculation sounder. I think he leaked that they were getting ready to sign with the Giants in an effort to get the Yankees number up. Reported the Yankees were a little bit lower than the $360 million they offered. And then, oh, just so happens, Arson Judge tweet comes out, and then <laughs> there you go. That was an interesting. By the way, if you're going to break on. the Aaron Judge news, you, I don't, I, I put plenty of typos into Twitter. Sure. We talked about just the general things you should and shouldn't do on Twitter with Justin Reed yesterday. If you're going to break the Aaron Judge news, you have to spell his name right. You have well, it's not to. Even like, it's you not, have to spell check so, so it, you don't send out arson judge. That was more just funny. What you can't, I actually don't like spelling a name wrong. A mistake happens. That was funny. You can't say he's going to a certain city and certain franchise and then four minutes later claim that you were incorrect that quickly. Four minutes later. That means you really didn't do a good enough job vetting it. So no. that's worse than the, the funny spelling it arson judge, as a matter of fact. All right. Coming up next, though, uh, we, we were joking about the Royals and what they could do this offseason. JJ Piccolo was on MLB Network Radio. You want to hear what he had to say about potentially some trades that could happen and why we might be waiting a little bit longer. Next. You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. Back here on Cody and Gold, I was reading just a crazy story that happened in the uh, kind of like the betting world around the World Cup. Some teacher, yes, a teacher, bet $90,000. Trust me, I had the same question as you did. How does the teacher have $90,000? He has a trust fund. Uh, teacher bet $90,000 on Morocco to advance to the quarterfinals. Well, Morocco just beat Spain on PKs yesterday, but bet $90,000 won a million bucks. Must he claims nice. he just built up his bankroll from other parlays. What's uh, what's your bankroll? Is it ninety thousand dollars? Not ninety thousand dollars. My goodness. More or less insane. than nine thousand dollars. Uh, less. Less less yeah. than nine thousand yeah. dollars. What about you? Uh, mine is also <laughs> less than yeah. nine thousand yeah. dollars. By the way, the text line Nick had pointed this out to us in the break. Someone who's sixty-two years old laid out their breakfast, and it might be the most 60-year-old breakfast ever in the sense that maybe this is what Andy eats every day. 62. Typical breakfast, four warm soft-boiled eggs in bowl mixed with butter and cheddar cheese, sprinkle of hot sauce, along with a piece of toast with peanut butter. Peanut butter? Hmm. You don't ever put peanut butter on toast? Honestly, no. Truly, no. Good combination. Really? Our Steven Spector was <laughs> eating... Our boss, yeah. ...was eating a peanut butter, not with jelly. That's important to note. A peanut butter sandwich the other day Dry, with man. nothing to drink Ugh. like a cereal. I need killer. a glass of water just hearing that right now. Like that just is, that just sounds miserable. I'm not even sure how it's possible. That sounds miserable. How did you even get it down your gullet? <laughs> you need a drink if you're eating peanut butter. Yeah, that just sounds very dry is what it what it actually sounds like. All That's right, not even the most questionable workplace behavior I've seen this week. So no, we'll, get, we'll have to, we get to that later. We'll get to that. Something that happened this morning <laughs> in our office space area. That's the random question oh, later. Look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Oh, uh, unbelievable. I'm yeah. being criticized. You're for, being criticized? For bringing this uh, workplace misconduct to light. No, you're fine. I have no problem. Criticized with you. by who? Other coworkers. Oh, no, you're wow. fine. No, you're, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If this I is justified behavior. I don't want to say what you did because that'll give away. We'll, we'll get to it later. We'll get, we'll get to that a little bit later on. 
we, we know the free agency is underway in, in baseball to this point in time, other than some arbitration types, uh, settlement type th- deals, nothing has happened on the Royals front, right? We know they, Ryan O'Hearn and Montessi, I think are the only really two transactions truly they have made in terms of contracts per se. And JJ Bacolo uh, at the GM meetings uh, and winter meetings, I should say was on MLB network. And JJ was talking to Brian Kenny and company about, of course, the change from Dade Moore to now him being vice president of baseball operations and everything. And I, I think when we looked at this offseason, we had talked about, man, they got to a, be more transactional, but will they need to go out and trade some pieces to go and get starting pitching? I think we both still feel that way. Yes. I'll, I'll be honest though. After listening to, to what you're about to hear, I, I'm not so sure that's happening this year. I think in time that will come right now because of the youth on our, on our roster, we got to be patient with them, let them develop. Hopefully this time next year, we'll feel a lot better about making trades and completing a team. But we have a lot of not only the pitchers, but our position players are in a good spot as well. We got to let them play. And I think we'll, we'll be able to make a better assessment this time next year of where they're going in their careers. It sure sounds like based off just that one soundbite, at least that they are going to use next year again as more of an evaluation type of period, Cody, uh, with, with some of these players to then determine, oh, we think we have this, this, and that. Then next offseason, we'll go and maybe make some trades. Look, I, I'm, I'm not against the idea because where we saw in 2014 where they felt like they were ready to win, and we know they actually were very transactional. They made took some chances. key trades, and they made some chan- They took some chances, and it paid off in, in the biggest way possible with World Championship. Um, but I'll be honest, like, he- hearing that, not the greatest thing if you're probably a, a, a Royals fan hoping that they were going to go and maybe – be transactional in terms of trading for some pieces to solidify the rotation. Look, they're going to sign some pitchers. They're going to have to sign some pitchers. I think that'll still happen, you know, weeks down the road from now. But uh, if you were hoping that they were going to try to to make some trades now, even trade away a, a young piece or two to go and try to fill out the rotation, I don't think that's happening. He basically just said that they're not going to make the type of trades perhaps until next season. They do need pitching. There's no doubt about it. But in a weird way, I actually think JJ might be right on this one because they are so young it's hard to know and it's it's scary to take the chance on moving the player you're not as sure about because the time to be transactional is when you had all these veterans in 2018 when you had a Salvador Perez that players would have been teams would have been interested in or Whit Merrifield or Mike Moustakis when you had those or all the the bullpen arms like to me if you're going to be transactional now you still should look to move Scott Barlow or those players. But I think specifically when they're asking the question about being transactional, it is, are you willing to let go of some of these young pitchers or some of these young starting skill position players in order to secure your roster now? And the problem is I don't think that the Royals can fix their roster like that with those moves because they've made too many moves that frustrate you over the course of that time to solve it individually. My problem comes down to more of the free agency stuff. Because you see, like, the Jamison Talon deal, and it's four years for $68 million, and then the immediate response from people, including me, are like, well, I guess they can't afford pitching. And the answer is they can. They have to just suck it up and take a chance. I can't remember who pointed it out or I'd give him credit. David Cohn still holds the record, the 10th highest free agent contract ever given out by the Royals. I'm sorry, what? He was signed in the mid-'90s. This is insane. We should not be allowing contracts that were signed 30 years ago, be the 10th highest in franchise history. There's more free agent money available than that. Fix your problem. I would be more interested this year in them fixing their problems that way. Fix your problems with money. For the first time maybe ever, fix your problems with money. 
so the reason why that's not like that you just said it, it's that's been going on forever. That's been a problem. Like, but you have to take I, the I've chance never, at some I, point. I've never believed, unfortunately, you can say, like, it's, it sucks to why, – why, why just accept it and all that. But just the, – the, I've come to grips. The Royals are never going to be the team that's going to go and spend a ton of money in free agency. They're not. That's just not. So that's why I'm looking for them to be able to go and make trades. That's why I was disappointed to hear that it sounds as if that's not something they're necessarily willing to do as much until next offseason. Because you, you, you're right. There's, not, there's maybe not the quick fix for this year. But let, let's say you find yeah, out you've got in the a middle couple, of the year. You need to be an off season of making moves. Right. But that's my concern, Cody. If you're saying that next year, next year, you're going to hopefully we're in a spot where we can make some trades and, and to fill out the roster. I get you're trying to figure out what you have still, but it's going to next off season thinking that, oh, we're this close now. We can just go make a bunch of moves to fill the final two or three spots next off season. And that like, that's a big risk in 2024. There's no, like, there's, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to do it then. Like so, to me, it's a two. It's it's a process, yes. But what, can you not do a couple of these trades over two years? To me, going to next offseason, thinking you can go and make the two two or three trades to fill out the roster and just be good to go, I think that's pretty optimistic as well. It's just the the notion. I know. I understand that they're not going to sign Aaron Judge or Trey Turner or those things, but we have set the bar so low for what they will pay people that we won't even have reasonable free agent conversations. Four years and $68 million for Talon, that is a reasonable free agent expectation. I am not asking you to sign Justin Verlander for $40 million a year. I am not asking you to go out and give Aaron Judge $360 million a year. I am asking you to not be one of the three franchises in Major League Baseball history who have never even given a player $100 million. They've never even topped ninety. million million dollars the single biggest free agent deal in their history is ian kennedy and then they like to pitch it or sometimes i think fan like like well that's the reason they didn't win over the years because they gave ian kennedy the money you're like no it's not if ian kennedy was the type of pitcher he was in kansas city which was for a few years perfectly average and the rest of the team had lived up to its expectation the ian, ian kennedy money was not the reason they stunk the reason they stunk is because the rest of their draft and development plans and the lack of transaction, as you had previously pointed out, weren't being yeah. taken care of. The Ian Kennedy money, the money they spent on him, is not the reason they're bad now. Yeah, and I know, I don't know, you're, I know you're not saying this, but the, as much as like we can mention the dollar amount and they haven't spent X amount of money in the club's history, that's not even as problematic to me as it is. Like you still have to, it has to be the right player as well, and and I, I think they've had their opportunities to maybe do that in the past, but it's not so much of, I don't Cody. And I know you're not saying this. Like, I don't want them to just go spend a hundred million to say, Hey, for the first time we spent a hundred million dollars on a free agent. I don't give a damn about that. So like anytime I hear the, well, they've never spent a hundred million. No, it just means I, you're spending money on I, a free agent. Yeah. Someone yeah. says it's not the 10th highest 10th longest at three years, which is also kind of bad. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was talking about your comment earlier yeah. about David. Cohen. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I doesn't matter, but, but the, we know they don't spend any money. It's not so much. I don't want him to just spend hundred million to say so they so Cody can't reference that stat every single time. Right? <laughs> I don't want him to just do it for that. I want them to go get someone that also is going to actually be meaningful for this team going just, forward. It's not just that. I know you don't mean that. But it's not just the dollar amount. Like sometimes we just say like just go go finally get above a hundred million dollars. That's not what it's about at all. No, but if the you point is if you're spending hundred million dollars, they if, are supposed to be valuable. If you, that's the point. If they can go and sign someone that's seventy million dollars that can help this team, then then that's what I want them to do as well. It's not it's not just like oh I want them to spend hundred million to say they finally spent hundred million dollars. No, but I want them to. Like it's always like being more transactional matters. The Royals should have been for years. Um, we know that they're not. Uh, we understand that it's important that they do spend that much. That they do. Yeah. 
take those chances, move on from players before they do that versus keep them all there, et cetera. But you can also, you can spend a little money and then it's not crazy. The amount they don't, they're not like, it's not our fault that you, I mean, I get the small market part of it, but I mean, and I know that San Diego is not the same, but my God, they have two $300 million players and they've offered two $300 million contracts to a third player. There are ways in order to spend slightly more. I understand, but if you spend $100 million on a player, you're expecting them to be impactful for you. The same as when they spent the money on Jose Guillen or Gil Mesh or Ian Kennedy. Yeah, I understand that it's both spend the money and make the right decision because that requires, and you're going to have to overspend because, because you're paying the bad team tax. That's the thing. that They're going to have to overspend, and as we know, the the one the scarier part in their situation is that we know if they spend that kind of money, that if that player doesn't live up to expectation, it can cost them in terms of years and Here's far thing, more though. detrimental for this franchise than others. I, you, you can shake your head, but I, I, I do believe in that. Them handing out a $100 million contract and it blowing up in their face, there's no guarantee of it. I'm not saying that they should never do it, but if it blows up in their face, you have to admit it is more. it is riskier for them than, let's say, the New York Yankees or the Chicago Cubs or whatever big market you want to pick. I'm not saying that you're wrong that they, at some point in time, that it, that can't always be the excuse, but the notion that it, it doesn't hurt them more than another team. If that, if that guy ends up blowing out his elbow and just doesn't pitch for them and they've got that contract for four years, Years, it definitely holds them back far more than it would a New York Yankees or a New York Mets. That is unfortunately the sad reality of, of the way the baseball is set up. I'm not telling you that's a free pass to not go and do it, but the idea that, that it's not, it, there aren't more challenges within that conversation for them versus other clubs, I think needs to be pointed out. That's yeah, but I mean, I just think, you know, you go back to the Twins deal last year for Carlos Correa, the three years, $100 million. You can do that. Yeah, it wasn't really three years. You know that too, though. No, it was one. Yeah. But he was good for them for one year, had exactly a, one year. So they were able to like that's that's why you're that's they would not, have happily paid him the three for hundred and five. Take your chance. They would have, but again, one on one year on on one year, you're not. It's not long. There's not long lasting implications of it blowing up in your face, right? Because it's a one year deal. Yeah, but very few the year, deals the are year. the Corey Seager, Aaron Judge, um, ten year, or Chris Bryant, seven year, eight year, nine year, one hundred and forty five million. You know, like whatever. Very few deals are like that. And and it's funny. It's because, like, more often than not, that's not even the range that I'm, like, begging them for to spend. So, like, the Justin Verlander deal. Like, well, that's a lot. <laughs> if that blows up, we're screwed forever. Screwed forever? It's a two-year contract. Like, are you really screwed forever if you gave Justin Verlander $40 million for one year he didn't pitch well and the other year he made $40 million and didn't pitch well? Doesn't feel like that should screw you forever. Yeah, the Met, but yeah, I mean, I know you're just now we're just making examples of big time contracts, but yeah, sure. Justin, the Mets are of course in a position to go and win a World Series next year. No, I understand. You know what I mean? Like yeah. two, the, we, we, you know, two years. The Royals need guys that are going to be here for three plus years, not guys that are just going to be here for two years because we don't expect them to be in two years going and competing for a, for a World Championship. Now, can in two years from now, if they make some moves, can they be in the playoff conversation? Or I, if they're I, saving I, all this money yeah, because they're planning yeah. on paying Brady Singer and paying. Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah. and their plan is to spend money in other areas to get themselves better. Maybe there's some different conversation. I, I think, I don't know about you, it caught me off guard last night. Last night was the MLB draft lottery. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time they had ever done that. Royals all the way down to eighth. Yeah, they, they got screwed. They, it did hurt them. Look, it's, it's a baseball draft. Not nearly the same as you being fifth and then all of a sudden picking eighth in the NFL draft or the NBA draft. It's a completely different ball game. And we all know that the number one player in the draft class doesn't necessarily go number one overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates who, who do have the top pick. It does when it's a guy but like does, Bryce Harper, it does, but that's so rare. It does suck that, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it, it did hurt you, actually, the fact for one year at least that there was a draft lottery. You were going to pick fifth. Instead, you're picking eighth. You know, whatever. But uh, the draft lottery, we'll see. Maybe it benefits them one year. Or Vinny Pasquantino is funny. He, uh, our, our NFL insider, sent out a couple of tweets around it last night. He was joking. Uh, but his first tweet he sent as they did it was, uh, we got screwed. And then 
Then he responded back and said, I hope everyone knows I'm being completely sarcastic with this draft. Uh, with this draft lottery is cool. Hoping to not have many my team in it for very many years because against the top 16. You're hoping that, of course, the draft lottery doesn't apply to you because you're making the postseason. They're trying to curb tanking. It's not really yeah. going to curb yeah. it because premium picks in the Major League Baseball draft are somewhere between one and eight. Yeah. And you still have to get it right. You know how hard it is to get it right? In, I mean, we talk about in other sports. In baseball, you oftentimes are drafting some 18-year-old you think plays for you in five or six years. <laughs> like... I know sometimes it's sooner than that when they're superstars, they get there in two or three and things move, but it's just, it's so far down the road and different than other sports in that regard. It makes it even harder. Real quick. I just saw that Bob Nightingale was reporting that Aaron judge flew to San Diego before signing with the Yankees, but flew to San Diego with the Padres. He's he claims that the Padres after offered Aaron judge 10 years, 400 million judge staying in New York, nine years, three sixty. He bet out himself, man. He could have had a huge deal last year. He said, no, I'll play it out. And he goes out and has a historically great season and wins the MVP and paid off. Good for him. How rich is the Padres owner? Pretty rich because not afraid no, I think, to spend I think money. he's pretty poor. I think you have to, yeah. yeah, I think he's pretty, <laughs> pretty poor. I meant by comparison to other Major League <laughs> Baseball owners. I think you got to be rich to live in San Diego, man. Like just all start there. Of, all I can think of with the Padres now is those old guys doing the video. <laughs> the video. Yeah, there are owners who couldn't afford to live in San Diego. It's that expensive. <laughs> owners who couldn't afford yeah. it? All yeah, I can man. think of is cost this. of living. Philly going down to yellow and brown. That's what's it. That's all I can think of now whenever I hear about the Padres. All right, let's get to Nick's notes. Nick's notable notes. All right, guys, it's time for another edition of Are They Good? I give you a person, place, thing. You guys simply tell me, are they good? First up, Baker Mayfield's chances at being a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. So the Rams have claimed him. Their season's over. I would argue he's probably at an upgrade over anybody they've had at quarterback so far this year. Probably not a long-term answer in L.A., but it seems like it is an audition for him to potentially get signed in the offseason. No, I, I don't see it. Not man. good. Not good. unless somebody, Maybe for the Rams, uh, like if Stafford retires and he plays well for the final five what about the age-old adage in the NFL that there's always one team? There's always one team who won't have an answer heading into next season, and they'll say, well, we could do worse than Baker right, so, Mayfield. So let's think about it. Honestly, let's think about it. So teams that could have a different starting quarterback next year, legitimately, the Saints, because right now they're rolling up Andy Dalton and The James Panthers, the, the, who yeah. just left. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey, you know who would be good? <laughs> so Baker like, Mayfield. You know who we could do worse the, than the Baker Saints. Mayfield? So right, honestly. Wait, we just did that. They're like, oh, sorry. I meant Andy Dalton. They just go back to the so different The Texans white guy. will draft Saints, somebody. Panthers, Texans, yeah. Texans will just fill it with the with the draft pick there. The Lions will probably draft someone. They've got two. But they'll in probably the top stick 15. with golf for another year. Yeah. Because I mean they're scoring. They're top Jets. In the like everybody in the AFC West is gonna stick with what they have. Jets might AFC East will be interesting with the Jets, but the Bills are staying put, the Dolphins will stay put. Patriots. I think it's kind of interesting to monitor, but I bring think, him in as like a, a backup to compete with Mac yeah. Jones. No, that's Brian Hoyer. NFC, the only backup allowed in New England is Brian. He can't Hoyer. play forever. Uh, NF, NFC East. Now I don't think they'll sign Baker, but Daniel Jones' status is still up in the air long term. With the we know the Cowboys have Dak. We obviously know Jalen Hurts. Steelers not going gonna stick with Kenny Pickett. Yes. Yeah. What about Washington? The contract for Carson Wentz. I have to look. I, I think he's. I think they're, they're kind of stuck with that. Yeah, they might draft. Somebody, oh, you know but, who would be perfect. Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, man. <laughs> he would be right in line with retread quarterbacks. Let's see if he's got anything left in the tank. I don't think he starts anyway. That's another I one really where they, they need Matt Ryan to retire, man. You know we where he'd actually, you know what? We haven't year. thought about it. You know where he'd actually be an upgrade? Denver. 
be an upgrade in Denver right now. They, here's the thing. He will get signed in the offseason. We know well, yeah, that much. Yeah, yeah, sure. He'll probably be brought in to be a backup. Yeah. And he'll be in a quarterback competition, maybe similar to what happened in Carolina this year. At some point, he will win that competition. And at some point, he will then retroactively go back to the bench. The thing is, ahead of Baker, like, even though Jimmy just broke his foot, Garoppolo, but He's going. We're going to have the same conversation. Like he's going to have an opportunity to start somewhere next year mm-hmm. again. I, I'd rather, play I mean, out. I've like, made fun of Jimmy G plenty would. times in the show, but if you're making me choose a starter for my team next year, I take Jimmy G over uh, Baker. Wow. So hey, now we, we know pro- we've made progress. We've now made, we know where you stand. We know made, where the line is. I mean, I can go. I can be reasonable. Okay. Um, I was just looking it up. Matt Ryan. They need him to retire because next year, dead cap. For the Colts, twenty four million. Why would you retire if you the, were just getting twenty four well, million dollars? They need him retire. He doesn't. They need him retire. <laughs> twenty four million dollar dead cap, eighteen million the next year. So like they're they should be hoping Matt Ryan. If I was doing retires. a terrible show and they're like, well, we have to pay Cody twenty five million dollars next year, no matter what, I'd be like, I hope he quits. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna keep doing well, let go this ahead job. And, let me go ahead and break this down for you now. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> as long no as you kidding. keep paying me. All right, up next on Are They Good? The Los Angeles Chargers. They fall to six and six after their loss to the Raiders on Sunday. They are now one and three over the last month. It feels like we keep waiting for them to showcase their talent and for Justin Herbert to sort of take over, but it's not no, happening, they, guys. They're, they're not good. Yeah, they're not they're not gonna make the playoffs again. So they're not good, but they can still beat anybody. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> they're, no, yeah. They're not good, but they truly can still beat anybody. If you told me they were playing Cincinnati, I would not say it's a 0% their chance best to beat game, them. Like, their best just, game, like right, their A game is good enough to beat anyone. But the problem is we, so seldom, City. we so seldom see their A we, game. We, we, yeah, we only see it against certain opponents. And when do you see their full roster together? It never happened. When, when have you seen the Chargers play a game with all their top players? Name someone with better job security than the team doctor for the Los Angeles You've Chargers. You've been on this train for years now. Name someone with better you job what? security than that guy. We're talking about Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. And enough, Cody's no. over here like, what about the team doctor, though? He needs to be fired. He should be on the hot seat. <laughs> Who are the top five team doctors in the NFL? Not, he's bottom five. Coming up tomorrow the on the NFL Whip Around. All right, last up. We've went 0 for 2. Let's see if we can get one on the board here for Are They Good? Any quarterback who plays for Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy went 25 of 37, 210, two touchdowns, one pick. The Niners beat the Dolphins. It seems like anyone at least can have some level of success. Maybe not be the best. Actually, nobody is the best playing for Kyle Shanahan. But everybody seems like they are a starting caliber quarterback if you're in his system. Yes, every quarterback is passable in the system because they run the ball so well. Like even what was it? Nick Mullins had mm-hmm. a had a decent run. Nate Mullins, Nick Mullins, one of them. Nate nine. Mullins, Nick whatever. Mullins. Have Nick some respect. Mullins. Have some respect. Nick, guys. Okay, I had it right. Oh, Nick yeah, Mullins. Yeah, yeah. He had a he even had a run. C.J. Beathard. Yeah, like he makes everyone look at least passable. The problem is after a few weeks, it kind of the, the shine wears off. People figure out. Well, that, no, like, there's just a cap on it. It's like yeah. you're never going to look great, but you but can good? be good. Sure, you can look good. Pretty much any quarterback can look good with Kyle Shanahan, including Brock Purdy. I will be. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it does speak to the scheme, no question. The scheme that the 49ers have, and then you couple it with the great defense that they have as well. Brock Purdy, like he's got a great opportunity. I would still think there's a chance that Joe Johnson, believe it or not, at some point ends up starting a game for them. Um, I, Joe Johnson, right? Like made up name. He has the so most incredible yeah. teams yeah. he's played for list of all time. Yeah, I think they signed. They just signed him this week. I actually think there's a chance he still played. Brock Purdy, 
it was impressive because he didn't even get first team reps. Obviously, he just got placed in the game. But Nick, you've brought this up multiple times this year. At some point, not only is there like more film on a guy, do they simplify things? It'll be interesting as teams start to get yeah. more film on Brock Purdy. Uh, what does his performance look like? And you guys know my feeling on the Dolphins defense. So I, that'll be that'll be interesting just to see what they do. Like who uh, who do the Niners have this week? The Bucks, right? I think that's right. So I think Brock Purdy will go up against Tom Brady in the Bucks. By the way, speaking of the Bucks, somebody else in the text line brought up the fact that that could be a potential destination for Baker Mayfield next year Ugh. if no Tom Brady. Ugh. Well, I mean, you Ugh. say, oh, but who's it uh for? Because the Bucks aren't any good either. The, for, they should just for, concede every game and try to get the first overall pick. They instead. should just bring Jameis Winston back. Bring him back. There we go. Bring, Bring him, him home. Bring him home, yeah. By the way, it's been an hour, guys, and yeah. people are still flooding the text line with breakfast? breakfast suggestions. Well, we'll keep, again, if you think you know what Andy Reid has the most for breakfast across his life, let us know. 913-586-7610. And the Chiefs, though, have had a similar problem with two teams in particular. What is the actual struggle? And then we'll finally get to the bottom of something Cody and I brought up on Monday's show next. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.